right, it's a Thursday, and we are doing our NBA prediction show. Uh, it is it is your host Vince. I'm doing a solo today, and I'm excited to do this with you guys because it is now really the NBA season. Pretty much everybody is play is going to be played by the time you hear this. And then the best part about it is is that um, we got to see some of it. Some of the some of the rookies, we got to see some of the other guys, um, you know, different uh, faces in different places, that type of thing. And uh, I'm just happy to be here with you today. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Six Man, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Most Improved. Um, I think I got rookies. And things of that nature. Um, and then we'll just kind of go from there. We're going to talk it through a little bit. I'm not just going to give them to you. Uh, we'll kind of kind of set the stage, so to speak. And let's start with most improved. Because I believe there's a ton of candidates for this. Um, I think there will be some surprise ones that come up out of the woodworks as we move along in the season because the, with the NBA, the unexpected is the expected. Let's just be honest about it. Um, the first name that I want to bring up, and actually I want to bring him up because of the fact that I did see his first game yesterday, is Cade Cunningham. Now, Cade is coming back off the injury. Um, that he played 12 games last year, and now he's co he's come back. The problem that I think Cade is going to be a lot better. The team right now doesn't fit him, and that might be a problem. But I think that he's going to be spectacular this year. Uh, I just I worry about the space. I worry about the. Uh, the lack of space, and also, he, the, it's just a team that has so many bigs, and it just it, the lack of shooting is alarming on this team. So I don't know. Obviously, I think they're going to try to play this year out. Maybe go back into the draft and get another player, and maybe this one will fit better, or they might still be in a, a collection of talent situation because. The one thing I, I've been talking with a lot of my guys with is that it doesn't seem to make any sense, just the roster itself. And albeit on their own, very talented, Ivy, Duran, uh, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Asur Thompson, all these guys are very talented on their own, but collectively they just don't fit together. So I'm I'm worried about that. As far as I had him as a most improved candidate, but we'll see how the year goes. The next guy on the list is Mikael Bridges. We saw him in Brooklyn when he got traded uh, for Kevin Durant. We saw him not just step up his game as far as points, but just what he actually could do. And to me, that was very impressive knowing that, well, A, they didn't they didn't key for you, so you got to kind of develop develop your skills a little bit. 
but it was impressive that he was now like as they went into the playoffs um, last year, and everybody knows that he was the target. He did still play well, so I'm impressed with him. I think there's still another level that he can get to, and uh, I'll be I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. Now, what what haunts him a little bit, and I think that's what we're gonna do with all the players here. What haunts him a little bit is that their point guard play. Now, Ben Simmons is back. He's uh, running the offense, and we'll see how it all goes. I don't, I'm not clear on how that's going to work. Um, We'll just see. Now, all we've heard from camp and all we've heard from Ben is that I feel, I feel the best I've ever felt. These last couple of years been a nightmare, all this type of stuff. But until he's on the court um, and really doing it, and we saw one game so far, mixed results. Uh, I don't know how it really affects uh, Mikael Bridges in a positive way. But here's the thing. They do have a lot of assets, and they do have pieces. So if they do want to go get somebody who's like a floor general, they do have the capability of doing so. But the problem is right now with Mikael Bridges is his his point guard play or lack thereof. The next guy on my list that I want to talk about, and I want to do it as a duel, Franz Wagner and Paulo Boncaro both uh, should take a leap this year. Franz played excellent in international play during the summer. Uh, I think we'll see that come in to this season as well. Paulo Bancaro actually played the five on USA basketball this year, which was interesting. Um, they're going to do it a little bit as well with the, uh, with the Orlando Magic as well. So that should be very interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. I just think that they're very talented, those two. Uh, they're going to have the ball in their hands, and they played well together last year. And I just think when you have continuity like that and you have talent like that, you're going to have a situation where um, it all comes together. And I think that's where we might be headed towards with Franz and Paulo Blancaro. The other couple guys on my list, uh, J-Dub in OKC. That is the Santa Clara J. J. Allen Williams. I mean, he was so impressive his rookie year. I think there's so much more still to the game. Now, he does have SGA, who also, people are saying, could be like a shadow candidate for MVP. Um, That could hold him back a little bit, but they play so unselfish, and they play together. And it really is kind of like an AAU mentality with this group. I think he has a shot of really uh, elevating his point total um, and putting his name in the case for most improved player. Anthony Edwards is the case where this is kind of like the John Morant case. If he's going to step his game up to that that level where you're kind of we're knocking on the door of like um, Dame and, and, and things of this nature. Um, 
Anthony Edwards has all the tools. Everybody knows that I love him. I'm, I'm, I love this kid. I, I love his mentality. I love how ferocious he is on the court, his competitiveness. This kid really believes like he can do anything. And it's so refreshing to see him when he does interviews and things of that nature. But the one thing that you can expect is that I think what he might have learned at in USA uh, international play is that leadership is different. And I think we're going to see a different type of Anthony Edwards this year. And I look forward to a, another jump, which is scary. And I just wonder. Now, the hindrance for Anthony Edwards, we... We've been getting in this with everybody else, but the hindrance for Anthony Edwards, to me, will be the ability of what Carl Anthony Towns is able to give them um, on the defensive end and, and what have you. Um, not saying he has to play like lights out defense. That's not what I'm talking about. But be more comfortable in his role as kind of like the secondary guy, uh, not take shots from uh, Ant and allow the natural progression of Ant just becoming the uh, dominant offensive uh, hub that he needs to be for this team to get to where it needs to go. Now, let's get to our last guy, the homer pick, obviously Austin Reeves. The reason why Austin Reeves is in this, he was also in international play. We always look for the the guy who's going to make the jump, and usually there's uh, one or two. And... With Reeves, we saw it last year. We saw it in the playoffs. Just how comfortable he is in the offense, how the command that he has within his own game is so efficient. He plays with a a tenaciousness that belies his athleticism. And the thing that I absolutely love about him is that he's not backing down from anyone. So he's another guy that I'm looking for as far as most improved. Here's the other thing. What's the hindrance, right? D'Lo. D'Lo's the hindrance. We saw it first night. We're going to see tonight. We'll see how it all goes. But first night, D'Lo was uber aggressive. And D'Lo needs to understand that he needs to take a tertiary role. Uh, how it should go, how the pecking order should go, it should be A.D., LeBron, Austin. A.D., LeBron, Austin. That's how it should go. Now, the fourth guy, if you want to say D'Angelo Russell is the fourth guy, that's fine. But when I saw what I saw in the first game and seeing D'Lo being aggressive like that, now, I understand it's the first game and you're kind of going through the motions and, and whatever and just trying to figure everything out, even though, you know, you play preseason. The bullets are a little bit faster during the regular season, no doubt. But we got to see a decline in the productivity or actually, yeah, the produ- productivity of D'Lo and the uh, incline of Austin Reed. So that's what his detraction would be. With that being said, of all the guys that I sit here and I think who could really uh, make the leap, I'm kind of stuck between Paulo Boncaro and Jalen Williams. So let me see who I'm going to go with here. Uh, give me J-Dub. 
Give me J-Dub and OKC. Shouts out to OKC Thunder fans who showed a lot of love on the YouTube channel. If you're new to the podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, There'll be videos coming up um, from this podcast and previous podcasts because I have a couple videos to put up from there. Now, let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year is usually a big guy. Um, a couple years ago, what was it? Marcus Smart won it. Yeah. So it usually favors a big guy, but every once in a while you'll get like a, you'll get a small guy in there. I'm going to tell you right now, I got nothing but big guys on my uh, list here. So here we go. Triple J is always a choice because of the fact of what he does. He's a complete menace. Now, Last year, he did not get dinged for the foul situation and the lack of minutes he played. I wonder if that catches up with him this year. So you want to look for a detraction from uh, from uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis is that, one, he's not playing with John Morant. Not saying that Ja's a good defensive player because he's not. Actually, this might help him early in the year. But the thing about Triple J, and he, you saw it in international play, you saw it in the playoffs, and you saw it all last year, and he gets in foul trouble, so he's on the floor less. So these things can happen. So keep a lookout for that. Evan Mobley of Cleveland, now everybody wants me to kind of just back off this dude while you still showing him love, Vince. He really hasn't put it together. First game still looked like a lot of the same of Evan Mobley we saw last year. But they have said they will use him differently in Cleveland. He'll be more involved in the uh, the perimeter defense. So I'm kind of uh, excited about that. Uh, he'll have a more expanded role in that, which is also good. You just kind of also think that at some point he's going to put it together. It's not like he's not a hardworking kid. It's not like he's not trying. It's not like any of that. You just wonder when the light bulb will come on. Is this the year? The next guy is a guy that I absolutely love. And the reason why I love him is because he's a complete warrior. He's a complete animal. Uh, Bam Adebayo. Miami... It was impressive what they did last year. I mean, every single damn uh, playoff series, everybody's like, this, it has to end now. It has to end now. And it never did. Bam played better offensively in the playoffs as well last year, which was uh, kind of a little of a kind of going, hmm, I wonder if this could uh, translate into next year. But when you're this depleted and Miami is going to be good no matter what. It's Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, bam, it, you know what it is. You know what the vibe is down in Miami. We just keep it grimy and we just do what we need to do. So with all that going on, he's going to have a tremendous shot of being a defensive player of the year. He's always around as far as all NBA and things of that nature. So, I think he has an incredible shot at doing this. Now, the next one, <clears throat> Nick Claxton. Now, Nick Claxton, a lot of people had him uh, 
on like all defensive teams last year. Nick Claxton played very, very well for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he's going to get a chance to do it again this year. The thing with Nick Claxton is this. He has the advantage of Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and some dudes that want to guard, and if Ben Simmons is healthy, uh, watch out. Like, watch out. He might have a shot at this. Um, now, it will also tie into what they do as far as how successful they are. Now, if this team can kind of pull it together and they're kind of like a ragtag group and it kind of is reminiscent to the teams previous before the Kyrie KD uh, unholy union. We can see Nick Claxton really vying for this award. Another guy that I want to give some love to, I don't know if he'll win it, but I think he'll get some consideration just because of the fact that uh, I think there is another leap for him. Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz. I absolutely love this kid. Um, what a great trade they made. It was like, okay, we get another Gobert, younger, cheaper, and we get picks. Yay. What's up? What are we doing here? Let's do this. So Walker Kessler is another guy. Uh, Homer pick, obviously, Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, here's the thing. Anthony Davis could win this award. He really could. Now, the problem is, is that D'Angelo Russell is also on his team. And D'Angelo Russell is going to miss some assignments. It happened in the first game. It's going to happen all year. D'Angelo will try on defense. He's just not really a good defender. You know, there's no shame in that. You know, it's, it is what it is. He's slow afoot. He's not, he doesn't move laterally quickly. It is what it is. And he hasn't learned how to use his size as an advantage, as some other defenders have, have done a la um, Marcus Smart, right? Drew Holiday. Those guys have learned how to use their size, their strength to kind of, you know, move people out of position subtly. So AD's kind of blemish is that he will be playing with D'Angelo Russell. And also, he'll let's face facts. Uh, LeBron James is 38 years old. He'll be 39 in uh, December. And he's going to miss some assignments as well. So there's a lot to clean up there. Now, if you can get anything from Jackson Hayes, now I hope you can hear the dismay in my voice when I say that. If I'm looking at Jackson Hayes and I'm looking at Christian Wood as my guys who are going to help me on the, on the, on the back end, I may as well just give up this uh, dream of becoming defensive player of the year. Now, Rui, on the other hand, has shown um, well some defensive chops. Uh, getting away from Washington seems to have done wonders for Rui Hachimura. But those are my picks for that. Now, I guess I got to pick a guy. Um, you know what? Give me Bam out of bio. I think just the story of what they did last year, what's going on with them now, um, it's just a great story. It's you know you know how these things go. It's a narrative. So Bam Adebayo as my defensive player of the year. Now we move on to six men of the year. Um, you got your couple like usual suspects, right? You got Norman Powell, the Clippers. You got Emmanuel Quickly. 
of the New York Knicks. Uh, you also have uh, Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and there's a couple of the guys we're going to talk about here. Uh, Norman Paul, you know what he is. He's a bucket getter. I mean, he can average 17, 18 points a game in his sleep. is no problem there. Let's see where he ends up. Is, does he stay a clipper? Because that's the word right now. As of Thursday, the 26th of October, Norman Powell is still a clipper. And the trade talks seem to have backed off a little bit. The hardened antics have gotten to a level that even the Clippers who need help have decided, hey, let's pump the brakes on this. Maybe we can go another route. James is playing himself out of money. All right, so there's Norman Powell. Now, Emmanuel Quickly is on the New York Knicks, which is obviously one of the greatest cities as far as basketball is concerned. He's going to be on TV a lot. Uh, he plays in a system where Tibbs does allow him to do that. Now, his kind of flaw in his pursuit of this award is that they also signed Dante DiVincenzo, and you know how much, how much Tibbs loves defense. So, if Emmanuel quickly misses some assignments or whatever, I can see quickly ended up in the doghouse. And not being able to get this award. But quickly has really been. Other than like Derrick Rose. Tibbs doesn't like playing rookies. Emmanuel quickly has found a way to kind of stay around the rotation. Stay around the rotation. And then play a role. And be able to get a a significant role on the team. So if anybody can go through the crucible that is. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, it's him. So, Emmanuel Quickly is another guy. Bobby Portis is going to be very important for Milwaukee because just of the lack of depth that they have lost with the Dame trade. And also, he's going to get easier shots. If he's on the court with those two guys, there's no way that he's not going to get better shots and and they're going to be uh, wide open. So, uh, look for Bobby to have a really big year. Now, for the three guys who are kind of making kind of like their debut in this situation. Now, for your so my submission to the hoop heads out there, um, I got Malik Monk of the Sacramento Kings. I just think high volume scorer comes off the bench. You know, Mike Brown kind of lets him do what he needs to do out there. He had a massive dunk last night. Man, that dunk last night was amazing. He ended that guy. So RIP to his family, whoever that guy was who got dunked on. So on that note. Um, Monk is just, he's playing on a good team. He's playing on a team that's going to be competitive. He's going to be vital to them getting to wherever they're going to go. And uh, let's see Malik Monk and the Sacramento Kings light the beam a lot this year. A lot. Let's see that. The other two, uh, one is uh, funny to me, and one is kind of uh, funny and serious. Peyton Pritchard of the Boston Celtics. Now, low-key, he signed a uh, rookie extension. It wasn't for a lot of money, but he did sign it. Now, Peyton Pritchard 
for the last couple of years has been complaining about his role. And when I say complaining, don't take it like he's been like bitching about it. He has asked for more opportunities. It's not been this like contentious deal. Okay. So pump the brakes. There's no, no aggregation here. All right. Now, He's going to get a more expanded role this year just because of the fact that they have now taken hits with their depth because of some of the trades they made, a la Christoph Porzingis and also uh, the Drew Holiday trade. So with that all being said, Peyton Pritchard should be running the bench unit, and he is going to get buckets. He is going to get them. And they're going to need him to get it because they're trying to push the tempo. They want to play at a faster pace, but they definitely still want to shoot threes. And if they want to shoot threes, Peyton Pritchard is your guy. All right. Last but not least here, we got Chris Paul. Okay. So CP3, we got him. Um, now, obviously, with with uh, Draymond, not on the court right now, you know, you, you might see him start more. You might, you know, I don't know how the bench roll is going to go. But eventually what's going to end up happening is that Chris Paul is going to go to the bench. That's going to be his role. And there it is, right? If he's going to help a high-profile Steph Curry-led Golden State Warriors team to a uh, very good record in the regular season, I think after last year, I think Kerr and the brain trust of Golden State, they see the importance of, well, first of all, they need to see the importance of winning on the road because they didn't do a lot of that last year. Okay. So there's one with that. I think they were like a 11 and 40, 11 and 30, something like that. Not great. Um, the other thing is just that the regular season has to be important because seeding is going to be important because the West is an absolute dumpster fire because every team is a contender for some reason. Somehow, some reason. Everybody can talk themselves into it. Uh, but if CP3 is leading a bench unit and doing crunch time minutes and he's doing Chris Paul things and let's say for some reason – Stat line is an awesome, 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 but let's say it's like nine, ten points. But he averaged pretty good assists, right? Let's say he's averaging like six assists and like three three rebounds. Chris Paul might be in the mix on something like this. And we'll see how this experiment goes because this is crazy. Golden State is super small. Now, I know Jordan Poole wasn't awesome, and I'm not saying that they should have kept him, and that is not what I'm saying whatsoever. Chris Paul is an asset. He will help this team. This team has had no direction when it comes to their second unit since um, Livingston left and Iguodala. So, and I'm talking about Iguodala like four years ago, not Iguodala now, uh, who just retired. So, congrats to Iguodala. We, man, Loved your game. Hated you at Arizona, Eagle Dollar, because I'm a UCLA guy, but loved your career, man. Um, Chris Paul running this second unit is going to give it structure, and they're going to get into good looks. I think that is going to be uh, beneficial to them through the entire season. Now, obviously, with Chris, the bugaboo is health. We always talk about it. Is he going to stay healthy? We can't, I mean, honestly, 
He's 38 years old. I mean, I mean, honestly, what can we expect for Chris Paul at this point? He's probably going to break down. Now, if he does stay healthy, if there's some sort of program they have in place where, okay, we know the 16 games you're going to miss, and we know this is the regimen program we're going to put you on, and we're not going to overextend you here, and, you know, the you know the, the hot minutes, as they like to call them, or the, the red marks, as they like to call them in the NBA, um, where they need for you to throttle the engine down. Uh, you know, they'll monitor that and get it, get him through the season, but Chris just ends up getting injured. So that would be the chance of him not being able to get this. So I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go Emmanuel quickly with winning the sixth man of the year award. Uh I think the reason why I'm gonna do that is because I have a soft spot for like obscure dudes a little bit and out of this group. He might be more obscure than everybody else. And that's kind of weird saying that that he plays in New York City. But quickly to me is one of those guys that gets lost in a sauce with uh, New York. You know, with your Brunsons and your your Hearts and your Julius Randles and things like that. Even though they're not like the star, star, star guys. For some reason, they'd be able, they, they suck up a lot of oxygen in the room. Um, not, in a, not in a negative way completely in a positive way. So maybe my guy quickly can kind of stay under the radar for a while until like March and then, you know, really kick it in a high gear. So six man a year, a manual quickly. All right. Rookie of the year. Come on, dude. It's like a three man race right now. I understand people have been talking about Amin Thompson and Osor Thompson and all this and everything like that. But let's get let's get real about this. I'm not gonna play around. Victor Wimbayama played in his first game last night. He got into foul trouble. I don't care. It was still great. <clears throat> Scoot obviously had a hard first game, and Chet Chet Holmgren of OKC. So those are the three guys. So it's Victor Wimbayama of the San Antonio Spurs, Scoot Henderson of the Tr- Portland Trailblazers, and Chet Hogren of the OKC Thunder. Those are the three guys that I see as possible rookie of the year candidates. Now, if you want to get stealthy and you want to be very like inside the NBA nerd factor type situation, and I'm not throwing no shade on that. Um, I'm trying to think of a guy that I would think would have the opportunities and kind of come out of nowhere and kind of be able to average big points. And let's say, let's see, okay. Well, six, seven, no, eight, no, no, no. Oh, Taylor Hendricks is not going to play at 10. Mm, it was Casey Wallace at 11, so probably not. I'm trying to think of a guy who might be able to come out of nowhere and, and, and kind of snatch this award. I really don't think so. I think if you look, looked at the San Antonio Spurs game, they had Jeremy Sohan playing the point guard position, and they had Victor really playing the small forward. I think this year is an experimental year in San Antonio, and they're going to allow Victor to do everything. So Big Vic is going to be out there. He's going to be amazing us with his play. And some of the things he does, and to me, 
Victor Wenwayama is the rookie of the year. The only thing that holds him back is uh, playing the games. Is he going to get to 65? Is he going to get to the amount? Uh, Scoot Henderson, to me, um, I love Scoot. So I'm not going to even be... Um, that's what I'm looking for. I didn't sell any of my Scoot stock after last night. You know, he was going up against the Clippers. They're long. They got all the wings. They're, the wingspans are crazy, and I'm sure they put Kawhi Leonard on them a lot because there's nobody else there. He is the guy. So Scoot is going to see. You know, I don't know how many teams going to be doing that, but uh, maybe, maybe Scoot, when we get to see the second game, will show us something. I think Holmgren is just going to be solid. I think he's going to be the, the just the quintessential uh, complimentary piece to SGA and J-Dub. And I'm not saying that he's playing third fiddle and doing all this other stuff, but he clearly cares about defense, and he clearly cares about rebounding and blocking shots. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about offense. He has a really good bag offensively. And it showed up throughout the preseason. I don't have a lot of worries about Chet. Um, obviously, he's going to get bullied because he is slight. Um, but he might be a guy because that he's going to start. And also, OKC has a chance to do something real special. They might. This team might make a playoff run. So let's get all that together as well. All right. Um, but Victor is my guy. I just think that if he stays healthy um, and they monitor him, they get him through the regular season, and I think he, I think he's going to, I think he's going to average like eighteen. I think the blocks, which weren't plentiful last night, because there were, there was only one, I think they will come with time. I just think he got in foul trouble. It didn't, it didn't go well, and then he showed up in the fourth quarter and damn near got that team a victory. So keep that in mind as well. All right, MVP. Now, Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Well, Jokic, Giannis are like the top two going into the year. And really, to tell you the truth, that's probably where you kind of need to look at. Now, Jason Tatum's getting buzz as well up in Boston. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't be able to do it, but there's a ton of talent on that team as well. Uh, Jokic, we all know, he he's such a tremendous player. We saw it all in the uh, finals and all throughout the playoffs. So I would have no problem taking a, a favorite in this situation. But if you want somebody who's kind of on the outskirts, but... I'm hearing everybody starting to say his name a lot. So I feel good that I was also on the right track. Devin Booker, I've had conversations with uh, guys I trust that follow the league. And uh, um, a guy who who I think is a real strict evaluator, who really doesn't give a lot of credit to a lot of people. So when he gives out any kind of platitudes, I'm very like keen to hear him. Uh, shouts out to Momo. Um he said that Booker has a, a dark horse run in him. And it was something that I had said earlier. If you check out our pod that previewed every team, um, their star, the leap player, and the the wart on the team, 
that's the last episode. So go back and listen to that. Um, we talk about over unders and, and things of that nature. And uh, we also put our picks as far as the, the 15 on the Western conference and the 15 on the Eastern conference up on our Twitter. So you can go our X. I'm so sorry. Go to X at front runner PC and also at Nico FRPC. All right, getting back to the MVP thing, Devin Booker, I think I saw something in the playoffs last year, and I didn't know what I was watching. And I thought I saw somebody mature before my eyes, and I said, I need a bigger sample size. And then he came out the first game last night, and it looked like the same guy who left the playoffs. And if Booker is going to play like this, and you're going to see – Durant missed game. Bill already missed a game. This is going to be super crazy. I think that Devin Booker has an outside chance to win the uh, MVP this year. I'm not saying that Jokic won't win it or Giannis won't win it. I'm just saying that if Booker comes on strong, you know how people love new when it comes to MVP. If this dude is doing what he was doing in the playoffs last year, He'll be in that consideration. Yes, Giannis will be there. Yes, Jokic will be there. But Devin Booker would also be there as well. So Jason Tatum is another guy. He put up monster game, first game out. And they needed every last bit of it because the New York try-hard Knicks, who are just going to grind every game down, they're going to be in so many clutch games. Somebody from that team is probably going to be – the clutch player of the year. Um, but yeah, Devin Booker was phenomenal in his first game. So yeah, I can see and he's way bigger. He looks like he put on like 10, 15 pounds. Um, and it's solid. So it looks like he's, you know, trying to take a lead and we'll see how it all goes now. Okay. All NBA team. I'm gonna leave that alone for right now. I like I like watching the players before I like you know get in there. I think there's and because of the inf, the influx of the young guys, I think all NBA is gonna be harder to pick than any time, probably within the last ten years. But as far as all rookie, I think it's pretty easy actually. It's uh Victor Wimbanyama, Chet Holmgren, Scoot Henderson, and then the Thompson twins. Uh, all-rookie first team. And then second team, Bilal Kulabale of Washington. Shouts out to the Wizards. Derek Lively Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. Shouts out to the Mavs. Grady Dick of the Toronto Raptors. Jaime Haikes Jr. of the Miami Heat. And Brandon Miller of the Charlotte Hornets. I think Brandon Miller showed up so well in his first game. We question the uh, the dribbling. We question, um, does he have moves to get himself open and create offense? Well, Harry, if you got LaMelo ball, you don't have to create nothing. <laughs> when you got LaMelo, it's like, it's all gravy, kid. But he did do a couple things. Um, he also tried to end somebody's life. He missed a dunk, but he tried to end somebody's life as well. Uh, so Brandon Miller actually is surprising me a little bit. And I look forward to seeing how he plays in Charlotte. I'm just, 
I'm so mad at Charlotte with all the other stuff that's going on that's like off the court, but we're not gonna get into that. This is celebration day. All right. Um let's see, is it the Thompson twins? I just think they're gonna have enough opportunities on their team. I think they will show well enough where I think they will um now if you want to take one of the Thompson twins out and put like Brandon Miller in there. I would say Amen would probably go move down to second team more than Asur. I think Asur will get definitely more opportunity than Amen. It's just a lot of people in Houston, and you got vets and you got young guys, and they all play the same position. It's there's a lot going on there. Amen Adoka will thin out that herd, trust me. But he loves Amen Amen Thompson, so don't worry about it. I think he's going to be first team all rookie. I think Houston got a good one. And, oh, by the way, a sneaky one. If for some reason there's trades down the road, Cam Whitmore. I'm I'm in on the Cam Whitmore. So, he reminds me a lot of uh, Latrell Sprewell. So, uh, if you're not familiar with Latrell Sprewell, um, go to YouTube. Uh, he played for Golden State. He played for the New York Knicks. He played for a couple teams, but Screwell was a problem for people. He was an absolute beast. Um, okay, now we're going to get to the final four of the NBA. Now, I put my um, my conference, how I looked at the rankings of the conference, and I'll go back and go over it with you now, too. Uh let me just go through my notes real quick. As you can see, I write everything down. Okay, here's the Western Conference. Okay, Eastern Conference. <clears throat> I have the Milwaukee Bucks at number one. I have the Boston Celtics at number two. I have the New York Knicks at number three. I have the Cleveland Cavaliers at number four, Philadelphia 76ers at five. The reason why that is, you know, just upheaval. Miami, who will never die at six. Atlanta, the Hawks at seven. The Indiana Pacers at eight. Congratulations. It looks like you guys are going at least to the play-in dance. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. I didn't know what to do with them. Uh, I think pretty much from 9 through 12, you could shake all these teams up, and whoever were the top two teams, I wouldn't even be mad at you. Um, So I got the Chicago Bulls at 9, and I got the Toronto Raptors at 10. I'm not real comfortable with that, but here's the thing. They got a lot of talent until they trade Siakam, until they figure out what they're going to do with OG Ananobi. And I did these picks without, like, taking trades out of it. Like, I know the Lakers have a trade at some point. When you got salaries like D'Angelo Russell's and a couple other people that you can mix in and go grab somebody, I understand that. But the way I set up the conference was how the team is set up right now and this is how I look at it. So that's the Eastern Conference. Oh, I forgot. So those are the 10. Orlando was 11, and I really had a hard time. 
you could tell me Orlando is nine. You can tell me Orlando is eight. You can tell me all of those things, and I would believe you. So, Orlando Magic fans, this is not a disbelief in you. It is your guard play right now. And I know Cole Anthony had had a great game, his first game. And I'm not saying, I just think there's so much there. There's so much going on that I think you're going to take this year to figure that out. I think next year is when, you're going to scare a lot of people this year. I think next year is where you take the leap. Uh, number 12 would be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, not as, not as uh, with my excitement level for Orlando. Obviously, if you had to put a number on it, it'd be a 10, right? Brooklyn, I'm probably like at a 7. I think they got a bunch of nice pieces. I'm not I'm not infatuated with Ben Simmons at all. Uh, Dan Whitty is what he is, but, you know, on any given night, he can go off. So that's kind of where I am with Brooklyn. The Charlotte Hornets are 13. Now, Charlotte, they could do a lot of things here. They were very impressive in their first game, and LaMelo is that dude. Now, the problem that I had was all the other stuff that was going on. I think at some point it just takes your toll on that team, and it's a young team. I don't know if they – no offense to Stevie Clifford. I don't know if that's the right coach for that team. There's a lot going on. So, 13 for them. Detroit Pistons at 14, and again, we talked about it early with Cade being the most improved player. They just have a lot of assets that just don't fit together right now. And that is where my problem is, and I think they're another bound for an early lottery pick. Hopefully they have better luck. And number 15 is the Washington Wizards. And the Washington Wizards have the ultimate tank commander at Jordan Poole. Um, Jordan Poole is going to score a lot of points in Washington, D.C. There are going to be games where the Washington fans are going to go, oh, my God, Jordan Poole has 47 points with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. There's going to be times like that. And then there's going to be times where Jordan Poole is 2-4-13. So understand those Ups and downs. Uh, understand that you have a young team, not as talented. You're kind of bereft of talent, and you're basically doing. This is what Washington wanted. This is what tanking looks like. So I got you at 15. But DC, you're finally tanking. So congratulations on that. Uh, let's go to the Western Conference here. The Western Conference. Let's start off with you know you know the dot the it's the Denver Nuggets. You know what's up. You know, you know what's up. I mean, I'm not going to try to play around here and be like, oh, I'm going to be coy. No, it's the Denver Nuggets. And uh, honestly, their, their core is uh, pretty young. Um, I know that the bench pieces, some of them have moved on. But they got Jokic and they got Murray. And they got Aaron Gordon, and they got Michael Porter Jr., and they got Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So, honestly, to tell you the truth, I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with, and they're I think they're going to be number one. Uh, Phoenix Suns, I have at number two. Um, now, here's the thing. 
I don't feel great about this pick down because Bill's out the first game. Guess who's missing the second game? Bradley Bill. Guess who's also missing the second game? Devin Booker. So Phoenix, I have it too just because I think they're just so talented. I just think they're they're just going to be held to deal with when they're all healthy. My question is, or are they just going to kind of punt on a regular season, whatever regular season record we get just based off our talent when we're all together is what it is. And just let's God just get us to the playoffs healthy so then we can just kick everybody's butt. So there that is. Um, so, I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, if that was the case, if I thought that was what they were going to do, I would have moved them down. But I stick to my rankings. It is what it is. Um, Golden State Warriors at number three. Steph is awesome. I know they're small. Uh, you can't tell me that the Jordan Poole situation didn't have anything to do with how that team performed on the road. Uh, Andrew Wiggins missed half a season. Those two things are not here anymore. You know, Andrew Wiggins, unless he gets hurt, should be here. And you got Chris Paul. So I think they should have a pretty good season this year. At four is probably maybe a, a, a surprise pick, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the reason why I have Minnesota at number four is I believe in Anthony Edwards. I think he's an absolute star. I think he's going to make the leap to superstar. Um, I just, I love him as a player. I love how he attacks. I think he all, he just wants to get better. He just wants to be elite. And I think this is the year where we see it now. The only thing I've always said that could ever hold any of this back is Carl Anthony Towns. So either he falls into his secondary role or he gets traded. One of the two. That's that's the goal. But I believe that Minnesota wants to hang on to Carl Anthony Towns throughout this year, see what it looks like, and then go ahead and pull that trigger. At number five, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. Why do I have the Los Angeles Clippers here? I do not know why. I do not like this pick. I don't like it at all. I didn't put this in because of the uh, pending James Harden trade that doesn't look like it's um, anywhere close to happening right now. Um, But they have a lot of talent. They're deep. And uh, let's see if Kawhi and Paul George could stay on the court. You know? Number six here, the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, this is another one I don't like. I'm I'm betting on Zion. That's a bad bet. I know. You just got to think at one time this dude is going to be healthy, though. Once, right? I'm just looking for one time. Number seven is the Los Angeles Lakers, and here's the deal. Uh, The only reason I have the Lakers here is because I believe you need LeBron and AD to total somewhere. I have somebody told me it was too high. I said 135 is the total. Go back. It's on YouTube. There's a clip about me talking about the Lakers. I said the magic number is 135. Somebody said that was a little too aggressive. I said, okay, well, then they're definitely not going to win awards. 
So can we get into 120 plus? Can we get into like, you know, 122, 123? Hell, I would love 127. Can I get 127? Um, If the Lakers are going to get the same old thing, and here's the thing that I want people to understand. I'm a Laker fan. People go, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. If you don't believe in this team, something wrong with you. But here is my only thing. The history of LeBron since he's been with the Lakers is he's hit he's missed a lot of games. That guy had a ruptured tendon in his foot last year. Okay? AD has not been healthy his entire time as a Laker. Okay, so you got those two things going for you. AD is playing center. He doesn't like playing center. Christian Wood is there. Jackson Hayes is not too too dissimilar from uh, AD as far as like body type wise. There's no girth there. I understand that there's a trade out there somewhere, but keep in mind this is not indicative of oh potential trades that are out there. I understand that they can trade D'Angelo Russell's contract like that. I got it. I get it. But right now, as I see it, Lakers are seven. Sacramento Kings get eight. I know Sacramento Kings fans will think I'm being really disrespectful to them. I don't think I am. And I'm not alarmed by them. I'm actually very high on your team. My only issue is that you had incredible health luck last year. Your team which did come together, and that continuity will serve you well this year. I just believe that the West has gotten better. And some of those games where teams were trying to figure themselves out last year, and you just kind of went in there and mollywalked them, maybe that doesn't happen as often this year, right? Uh, So Lakers, Sacramento at 8. I lost my lighting. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> I lost my lighting. Okay. Number nine, OKC Thunder. Welcome to the play-in, guys. Uh, this is the year where we see uh, Shea Gildas Alexander um, play all the way through a year. Uh, they have a lot of talent. Chet gets to play this year. Um, I don't know if he's going to be on the pitch count. That might. That's where I kind of have them. Even, I actually probably would have had him higher if I didn't know if Chet, because of the injury coming off of the injury last year, if he was going to be on a pitch count. But I have OKC 9. I just think the world of this team, they're young, they're uh, they're aggressive, they complement each other very well. The key will be Giddy. Can he shoot from the outside? Can they get enough outside shooting? We will see. Number 10 is Memphis, and Memphis, you you have to know why. 25-game uh, suspension for John Morant, losing Steven Adams. Um, could be a tough year for the Memphis Grizzlies, even though I really love Bain, and I do love the acquisition of Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus can get a little, a little loose with the basketball, but... Good player, uh, hold people accountable, play good defense, things of that nature, can hit you a shot. Um, 
So I think Memphis, 10. I think they just have enough talent to hold off the rest of the teams. And so let's get to Dallas. Dallas is 11. Now, if for some reason any of these teams have injuries or whatever the case may be, obviously Dallas is going to be one of these teams that sneaks into the plant. Dallas, I am, Luka is incredible. Kyrie is one of the most gifted offensive players I've ever seen. The only problem that I see is that there's a ton of youth that they're counting on starting. So I'm a little worried about that. What happens when Kyrie and Luka aren't playing or not in the game? I'm a little worried about that. So that's why I have the Dallas Mavericks at 11. At 12, I have the Houston Rockets. Uh, it's going to be, I think, the first 40, very rough. If you looked at their first game, they looked out of sorts. They looked disjointed. They didn't look like they were playing together. Um, you're going to see a lot of that early on. Uh, but Ime Adoka is a really, really good coach. I think he's trying to see what he has. I think the second 40, the second 40 games for the Houston Rockets is going to be really, really great. You're going to start to see like the formation of what the future is going to look like. So I look forward to that. But I have them 12th. I have the Utah Jazz 13th. Now, <clears throat> I think this is more of... I don't know if they feel was encouraged to win. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, I think the Jazz do take a step back. It has nothing to do with the talent. It has nothing to do with the outstanding draft that they had. I love it all. I just wonder, do they? does the front office want to win? It's not the players. It's not the coaches. Does the front office? Because I think what people don't realize is that last year when they got off to that crazy start, you know, that was not in the plans. So now we get to a situation where year two, Will Hardy, we know he's a really good coach, one of the great young minds in the league. And yes, he still has all the compliments of talents that he had last year, mostly, and added some really, really positive additions with the rookies. But with that being said, I just think that this is the year that Utah takes the step back, especially with how strong the West is. Number 14, San Antonio Spurs. Victor, uh, it's an experimental year. Allow this dude to do what he needs to do. He's just going to amaze us every single night. We're going to tune in, and, hey, if the games are close at the end, that's all we care about. And number 15, no surprise, Portland Trail Blazers. It's a tough year for them, but this is kind of what they needed. They needed a palate cleanser. Uh, they're, I think this is, I think this is what they need to do. I love Scoot. I love that they have Shaden Sharp up there, Anthony Simons. They get, they do have a couple of vets. They have a number one, um, pick in overall in, uh, DeAndre Ayton as well. I just think rookie point guards, it's hard. 
it's hard to lead. It's really hard to play. So I look forward to seeing just their development, but I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. And I think they're going to be right there at the end looking at um, one of the worst records in the league. But, you know, this is what it is when you tear it down. So I'm glad that Portland finally did it. Uh, we've been waiting on Toronto to do it for like two or three years now and still still hasn't happened. So, um, so that is that. Now, how I have it is this. Give me Denver and Phoenix. Give me Denver and Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals. Give me Milwaukee and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Give me Milwaukee over Boston. Give me Denver over Phoenix. And then give me... Ooh, that's going to be tough. Give me... Give me Denver over Milwaukee in the finals, in a close one. So, back-to-back champions, Denver Nuggets. That's how I kind of see it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's just over an hour, so we can go ahead and cut this off pretty much right now. Enjoy the NBA season. And uh, we are going to have more coming. Next week, we'll probably be back more on regular schedule. This week, it was just tough, but we got these in, and I'm glad that we did. So I'm signing off. I'm going to go watch some basketball. You guys have a great one. Peace. Peace.